0: Think about the profound influence of the Bible on the world, the way that it has shaped our culture. Whether you're a follower of Christ or not, it's probably a good idea that you know at least what it says. It's going to be about us taking and reading the Bible. All right, welcome to the Take and Read Podcast. Pastor Chad here with Pastor Marshall. How you doing, brother?
1: Doing good, brother. Thanks so much Doing for having good.
0: me. Good, yeah. So, uh, just before we got on the podcast, I was getting—we were having an opportunity to talk and catch up just a little bit, and uh, I would love to hear kind of what what God's been teaching you. We haven't talked for several months now, and in a comment you made just before getting on, you've just sensed and realized just the. The benefit there would be in having an additional pastor on staff, and you know, alluding to just kind of what I call ministry thickness. There's, it's not like yes. it's not bad. It's it's not hard. It's mm-hmm. just really thick, and so it just it sometimes it it's nice to have help in carrying mm-hmm. and carrying and working through some of the thickness of it. So, just yeah, what do you see the Lord teaching you or showing you, or what does this season kind of bring?
1: Yeah, uh, this season's been more, uh, I hate to say it's not teaching because it, it is teaching. The Lord does teach through it, but it's a lot of reminding.
0: <laughs> mm. Hey, you
1: can't do this on your own. Um, this is not built around your abilities or strengths. Um, and then even just engaging with people, uh, just a reminder of how, mu- and I'm not just saying this because of the podcast, but how much people need to be, how much more people need to be in the Word of God. Mm. Um just in talking to, to not even just our members, but some people we're talking to in the community as well, just um, how, how beneficial uh, being in the word is for certain individuals who are saying things like, you know, I I wasn't in the word for a long time and I'm slowly getting back into it. And it just, I just feel like uh, I just feel more comforted as I go throughout my day. And it's not because I've learned a ton or because I'm, uh, like boasting in myself for doing it. there's just some sort of peace that comes from knowing you are regularly in the Word of God and then mm-hmm. seeing other people who are struggling with stuff. And one of the first questions I ask when I'm counseling people is well what's what's your time in the word been like and it's mm-hmm. the ones who are struggling the most tend to have some sort of correlation to I'm not really in it or it's been a long time or I maybe touch mm-hmm. it every now and then or hey, I'm only in the I'm only in in the Bible. On Sunday mornings, when we're opening it up for the sermon, um, and mm. I'm not I'm not saying being in the Word equals some sort of prosperity, but there does seem to be some sort of spiritual nourishment that our souls receive um, when being in the Word that allows us and strengthens us to make it through some of the more difficult times in life, um, not with more ease, but with more comfort and and strength and trust in the Lord through them. Mm. Um, That has just really just reminded me of, man, people need to be in the Word of God more. Um, Not to be puffed up with knowledge, but just so their souls would be cared for um, by what God Mm. has spoken. And we just started a sermon series through the book of Hebrews. And so I'm I'm halfway through chapter 2 right now in the sermon series. And the whole thing just opens up with like, are you listening to Jesus? God has spoken finally in Jesus. Are you listening to Him? Um, And so it's just been on repeat in my mind and in my soul over the last couple months.
0: Yeah, it's a, it's a simple concept, but it is not simplistic. Like I think about oh, yeah. the Psalm 1 um, kind of analogy of the tree, mm. right? The Psalm 1 tree, he says that blessed is the man who, instead of going the way of the scoffers and the sinners and all of those, but is deeply you know, abiding in God's word, God's commands, and treasures them and meditates on them and then the psalmist says he is like a or they are like a tree planted by streams of water whose leaves never wither who bear fruit in due season and regardless of the atmosphere they're going to continue to be vibrant they're going to have life they're going to flourish and so i think that there's there's some deep truth to that and yeah, I've, I've been studying that a little bit and so I'm all mm. loaded for bear on it. But you look at like you look at Jesus when he comes on the scene and in Luke 4 he's led to, into the wilderness by the spirit to be tempted. And contrary to Adam who's in the midst of a of a garden that is growing and producing and providing all that he could possibly need or want, he still sins by questioning God's word. Mm. Right. The serpent is able to introduce a question to Eve and to Adam. Did God really say? Mm. And then it's repeated. And he's like, well, what he really meant was. And so it's this question of God's word, twisting of God's word. And then what Jesus comes and does is he shows us what that tree planted by water looks like, what that what that life of of a flourishing person is who is treasured God, God's word, because all of the temptations that come to him he responds with God's word even though the enemy even though Satan tries to twist God's word Jesus knows God's word and and so that it cannot be twisted and therefore yeah. lives by God's word and flourishes even though he's in a wilderness having fasted for 40 days it's crazy yeah. it's so, so it's
1: so crazy and it <laughs> reminds me of just talking to a brother the other day who's I've been working with him on as he as he wrestles through a particular sin and uh, the more he's gotten into the Word of God, not even trying to figure out, okay, how do I deal with this particular sin, but just soaking in what God has said, the more he's been in that, the easier it's been for him to say no to the particular sin. Mm-hmm. Um, doesn't mean he's perfect and he doesn't struggle with it anymore. He's not tempted by it anymore, but it's he. It's it's easier for him to say no. I I, I don't need that. I don't want that. And
0: um, yep. his um, ability just, to just resist. Yeah, 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 he's he's more robust, yeah. So good, so good. Yeah. Uh, So uh, where are you reading right now in your personal devotion? Can I put you on the spot? uh,
1: No, 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 Uh, (laughs) no. I am reading a lot in Hebrews right now since we we just started this sermon series. So I'm trying to uh, – don't ask me to do this just yet, but my goal is to actually have Hebrews memorized by the end of the series – Um, So I'm trying to memorize our passage each week that we're doing, um, because last week was crazy. I'm not caught up on all that. (laughs) Uh, We're halfway through chapter two, so I I haven't gotten, I can't quote you verse one of chapter one to middle of chapter two, but that's part of my goal. So I'm studying a lot through Hebrews right now, but that's also forcing me to go back and look at all the Old Testament passages, because Hebrews is just littered with so many Old Testament passages. So I'm spending a lot of time in Hebrews, and then I'm taking the Old Testament quotes and kind of using those as my devotionals, because we won't preach those texts from the Old Testament when we get to them, but just to have for my own personal devotion time, spending some time in those Old Testament texts. So I kind of have that as the background as I'm prepping the sermons in the week. So it's kind of going back and forth between the Testaments uh, each day.
0: Okay. Okay. Yeah. So long and then, ago, and then I many do regularly... times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in That's these last exactly right. days, he has spoken to us by his son, whom he's appointed heir of all things. Amen. Through whom Amen. he also created the world. Love me some Hebrews 1, baby.
1: That's right. That's right. <laughs> That's right. And I do regularly read through um, the pastoral epistles pretty frequently yeah. just to remind me of stuff. So 1st, 2nd Timothy and Titus, just regularly reading through those. So.
0: How, w- would you say, what's the cadence on that? How regularly? Is that like once uh, a quarter?
1: W- uh, in getting through all three of them, I probably do them, I, I probably read through all three of them at least once a month. Not mm-hmm. all in one sitting and not like, okay, today I did first Timothy, tomorrow I'm doing second Timothy, but I'll do kind of like portions from each of them. And so within a month's time frame, I've gone through all three of them again.
0: Yeah. Doesn't mean I'm oh, hitting them great. every
1: day. Doesn't mean I'm even hitting them every other day, but I try to take a portion and then at least within a month, I've read all three of them.
0: Okay. So that's a monthly thing. So that in a month's time, you have yeah. gone through those pastoral letters from Paul to Timothy and Titus at mm-hmm. least 12 times. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That's great. Yeah. Cool. That's the goal. That's the goal. Yeah. That's the goal. Well, hey, yeah. that sounds like a good goal. I'm going to try that. Is that okay? <laughs> Can I copy you, Marshall? You, you,
1: Take it all. I'm sure I didn't make it up on my own. I'm sure I heard it at some point in my life. So
0: uh, I need all the help I can get. I love (laughs) it. Okay. Well, I'm going to try that now. So if anyone sees me on the street, they can say, hey, have you read through 1 Timothy, 2 Timothy, Titus this month? And I'll be like, yes or no. I don't know. Um, How long does it take you? Like, I did a thing. I tried this one time. I was getting ready to preach through the book of Titus a few years ago, and... I read through it for a month. I read it every day for a month. I read Titus. just And it took me maybe 15 minutes, like a true solid read on it. Yeah. And that was incredibly life-giving. And I saw mm. things and connections. It was great. Mm. Anyway. Yeah. So maybe you should read Hebrews every day for the next 30 days. The <laughs> whole thing. <laughs>
1: if, if I... A, a, if you see me on the street, feel free to ask me that. I can almost guarantee you, I'm going to tell you I missed a few days, but <laughs> okay. uh, I'm sure that would be extremely life giving. Um, yeah. I will say, when cool. we were preaching through Second Peter previously, uh, the very last sermon I did, I was preaching this the last couple of verses. Um, but to open the sermon, I read the entirety of Second Peter in the sermon yeah. to lead up to those verses. So it was really cool. Oh, that's cool. Yeah.
0: Did people get like uncomfortable after like? you know 3 minutes 4 minutes are they like oh this is good
1: uh if they did they weren't the ones to come talk to me afterwards um, Yeah. <laughs> i heard i actually heard a good bit of people say that was so encouraging it's the first time i've actually heard an entire book read in a sermon um and so i they, they were just saying i'd never thought of a preacher doing that um Again, just like reading through the pastoral epistles in a month's not my idea. That was not my idea. I've heard of other guys doing it, and we just decided mm-hmm. to try it. Um, and uh, I enjoyed it. I told people, "Hey, this is going to be the best part of the sermon." It's like these next ten minutes that uh, it's going to take me to read this book. To be the well, best part. They say part, but... that
0: uh, outside of the Sermon on the Mount, Hebrews is one of the most eloquent sermons ever preached.
1: Yeah, that's so. In the very first sermon we did, I explained to people, "Hey, this could be a letter." But it also has a lot of tones of a sermon, yeah. and so, so throughout the series, we prep people. Throughout the series, we're going to call this whoever wrote it. We're gonna we're gonna say writer or preacher. We're just gonna fluctuate between both those. So just know we're talking writer about the same preacher. person when we say
0: oh, it. Oh, that's awesome. So I love it. Yeah, cool. Um, I'm just gonna answer a question. Somebody asked me uh, if you're tuning in on video. I just thought of this uh, behind me, right there is let's see in the corner there that hatchet uh, that's kind of tilted up against the corner Uh, i had somebody ask me what that is that and i'm gonna grab it this is a a hand forged hatchet that was a gift so the church that i'm pastoring east haven baptist church uh, the interim uh, pastor had kind of a tradition or a ceremony that when he was leaving and handing kind of the baton to whoever had been hired as the new senior pastor, uh, because he had been an interim, I think this was his fifth time. And and so he had this tradition of kind of passing the baton of leadership over. And so he uh, was really into hatchet throwing. And so I admired one of his hatchets one time and said, oh, that's really cool. And then he ended up giving me a throwing It's actually a tomahawk, a throwing tomahawk. Um, Oh,
1: that's a legit one.
0: It's yeah, it's (laughs) hand forged. It's really sharp, uh, and this the head of it kind of slides off, um, so that if you needed to change the handle out, you could. Um, But it's yeah, it's it's a real tomahawk that was given me as a passing of the baton, if you will, or the tomahawk uh, as. A senior pastor at this church so, so
1: have you picked up
0: hatchet throwing i haven't yet um okay. i want to set up something we have some huge stumps in our backyard from a tree we cut down for firewood so yeah. i'm gonna try to set up one of those and see if i can get good at it so okay yeah. there you go <laughs> yeah. there you go so i figure i should probably tell people what this is yeah. <laughs> Alrighty, so yeah, that's the tomahawk. I had to okay. get that out of the way. Somebody was asking about it, so. No All I
1: have no cool weaponry in my office, so.
0: Whatever, dude, you've got the word of God, which is a double-edged sword. Amen, amen, Come on. brother. <laughs> and I'm pretty sure you could throw those coffee mugs at people and they would they would have yeah. to bob and weave a little bit.
1: That's true, that's true.
0: <laughs> <laughs> is that a cross uh, conference yeah, mug was, up there? Uh, my man. Yeah, yeah. Did you, get, did you bring that back from a T4G, the last T4G of all time? I, I did, yes, I did. That's I have one of those same exact mugs. Yep. I don't know if it's here in my office or not, but I have one of those as well. So shout out to the T4G That's alumni. Right. That's right, buddy. That's right. That's we right. saw each other there, just like we did. briefly. We did, like For 30 really seconds briefly. or something.
1: It was the first time I'd ever seen you in a hat, and so I didn't recognize you at first. One, <laughs> it was dark in there, and then two, you came yeah. up with a hat um yeah and then i was like oh hey chad yeah so
0: (laughs) yeah i actually recorded one of the podcasts while i was there with bernie and uh but i ended up going with bernie granger parker and then bernie's brother and Mm -hmm. so all five of us went to the conference together it was good times
1: yeah i've never gotten to have a lengthy discussion with bernie but uh his brother is now a member of our church and so they're great man really
0: oh cool! they moved to georgetown
1: uh, they're in Pflugerville. Um, oh, Pflugerville. Bernie's not. That's Bernie's not a member. His brother's a member of our church. Gotcha. Yeah, gotcha. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's fantastic.
0: So in, yeah. Oh, yeah. I love that. Good people. Good people. Yeah. All righty. Well, we're going to take and read God's word. We are in Acts 13, and uh, we're making our way ever so slowly. However, today we're going to make a pretty good leap because we're going to take on a section in Acts 13, starting in verse 13 that is a speech and so it's mm. very difficult to break up speeches uh as we go through this and so we're gonna hear see uh, a speech from paul and so we'll, we'll we'll read it and then uh it'll be fun to kind of process this with you yeah. and uh let's see what we have here and prior to starting the podcast marshall and i spent some time in prayer mm-hmm. uh asking the lord to give us insight wisdom illumination so that we will understand what God's Word says because it's always important to consult the author uh, if you mm-hmm. have an opportunity. And every time we come to God's Word, we can consult the author. Uh, we don't have to, to wonder. He, he guides yeah. us by His Spirit. So I am reading out of the ESV. How about yourself? Same. Okay. Well, here we go. We're going to jump into Acts 13, starting in verse 13. Now, Paul and his companions set sail from Paphos And came to Perga in Pamphylia, and John left them and returned to Jerusalem. But they went on from Perga and came to Antioch in Pisidia, and on the Sabbath day they went into the synagogue and sat down. After the reading from the law and the prophets, the rulers of the synagogue sent a message to them, saying, Brothers, if you have any word of encouragement for the people, say it. So Paul stood up and motioning with his hand said, I just want to stop there for a minute. I think it's important to recognize the scene. So mm-hmm. here we have Paul and his companions. Do we know who his companions are? We have Paul, and it's most likely from the context it's going to be Barnabas. Yep. Um, and
1: I mean, it seems like John's with him until he leaves for Jerusalem. Yeah.
0: So you've got Paul and Barnabas, and one of the things that we know about Paul is he is somebody who is highly educated. Mm. He is a Pharisee, and so he comes from a very particular pedigree uh, within the Jewish community, and so would have been somebody who was a a teacher or somebody learned in the ways of the law. Mm. And I think that that's important to note when he arrives in a synagogue He's most likely wearing particular garments or he has a particular reputation. And so it's when he arrives here in this region, they just go into the synagogue and they're just, they kind of make their way to their seats and they're just kind of settled in and ready uh, to hear whatever reading of the law that's going to happen. And then they get a little message. I don't know if it's like a little little note, a post-it note or something is sent over to him like, "Hey, if you guys who are here, you're obviously visitors, and yeah. they had some sort of assumption that they could teach them something, and so they're invited to come in and, and share a word of encouragement," which is like mm. putting putting the ball in the tee for Paul. He's like, "Oh man. Sounds yeah. good. Here we go. Let's That's do this." That's right. <laughs> Anything you would add to that just to help understand the context?
1: Um no, other than this tends to be Paul's uh pattern when he gets to a new place is to yeah is to go into the, the synagogue first, talk to them, and then then head out uh to the Gentiles. So um this seems to just be a really reiteration of that pattern that we're gonna see uh in his journeys.
0: Yeah. Yeah, um, so he they show up, they're ready to kind of after the reading from the law and the prophets, the rulers of the synagogue sent a message to them. And so Paul, it says he stood up and motioning with his hand said, so you can see him kind of stand up and he kind of maybe waves or something. I don't know what he he does there, but then he begins. And here's what he says in the synagogue upon request, men of Israel and you who fear God, listen, And God gave them Saul, the son of Kish, a man of the tribe of Benjamin, for forty years. And when he had removed him, he raised up David to be their king, of whom he testified and said, I have found in David the son of Jesse, a man after my own heart, who will do all my will. Of this man's offspring, God has brought to Israel a Savior, Jesus, as he promised. Before his coming, John had proclaimed a baptism of repentance to all the people of Israel, and as John was finishing his course he said what do you suppose that I am I am not he no but behold after me is coming the sandals the one is coming the sandals of whose feet I am not worthy to untie brothers sons of the family of Abraham and those among you who fear God to us has been sent the message of this salvation for those who live in Jerusalem and their rulers I will give you the holy and sure blessings of David. Therefore, he says also in another psalm, you will not let your holy ones see corruption. For David, after he had served the purpose of God in his own generation, fell asleep and was laid with his fathers and saw corruption. But he whom God raised up did not see corruption. Let it be known to you, therefore, brothers, that through this man forgiveness of sins is proclaimed to you. And by him... Everyone who believes is freed from everything from which you could not be freed by the law of Moses. Beware therefore, lest what is said in the prophets should come about. Look, you scoffers be astounded and perish for I am doing a work in your days, a work that you will not believe even if one tells it to you. Mm -hmm. We're going to stop there. Uh, There's a lot going on there. (laughs) And, the first thing that you see is this incredible summary, mm-hmm. uh, a great summary that's, that extends from Moses uh, through David. Uh, why do you think those two figures are, are perhaps where Paul spends his time? Here he is, he's in a, a Jewish synagogue talking to Jews who gather regularly to hear from the law and the prophets. Yeah. Which is interesting. It says, after the law and the prophets were read, the Mm -hmm. rulers of the synagogue said, hey, why don't you stand up? you have anything to encourage us with? And so (laughs) Paul stands up. Any thoughts?
1: Yeah. Uh, I mean, he starts with Moses because that's where the law comes from. I mean, the law comes from God, but, you know, they're they're reading the law of Moses because that's who who received it on Mount Sinai. So there's a sense of, all right, you just read from the law which you guys are holding tightly to. You you've mm-hmm. exalted that law and you are you're pushing everybody to obey it. So let's let's start with the guy who who brought it down from the mountain and whose name is kind of written next to it as the mosaic law. And then you get to David who um that's kind of where all the prophets are pushing towards this this right. coming king who's going to fulfill all that God has promised and David was re- uh, was recognized as Probably the best was recognized the best king until King Jesus, yep. um,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and uh, Jesus was the fulfillment of the the line, the promised one to come from David's line. And so, Paul instantly picks up on okay, we're gonna, we're going to address this guy who brought you the law, and then we're also going to address this guy who you all look up to as the the pinnacle of kingship, but who also was looking forward to somebody coming from his descendants who would take yeah. the throne. And and rule eternally. So, um.
0: yeah, you have this, um, you know, these these series of covenants, these promises that God makes in the Old Testament. He starts with Abraham and he says, "Through you, you know, I, I will make your descendants as numerous as the stars of heaven." Right, yep. and through your offspring, all the nations of the world will be blessed. And he, and then you have you know four hundred some on years. He references four hundred and fifty years. That it these things uh, came about uh, in verse twenty, and then we read, you know, that the Israelites are in Egypt, they're oppressed, but deliverance comes through the one that God sends, which is Moses, and delivers them, and then says to them, I, you know, I will take you to a land flowing with milk and honey. Like I'm gonna, I'm gonna take you into the promised land, and there's another covenant made with Moses there that in Exodus 19. If you keep my commandments, if you obey my law, then you will be my treasured possession. Mm. Holy nation, uh, you know, this idea that I'm going to give you the law and the covenant and and all the commandments. And, and if those things shape you, then you are my people to the watching world. Mm. Uh, but they ultimately... They, they couldn't fulfill it. And so he, he provides a sacrificial system so that they can continue to be in relationship with God. And then they start to demand and need judges, and then they need they demand a king. And so all of this is stuff that he summarizes, and he's pointing to, yeah, like you said, these two key figures, Moses and David, would loom pretty large in the worldview of the Israelites and mm-hmm. those Jews that are gathered in the synagogue. Moses yeah. is... Is kind of one of the rock star heroes. If any kids had a poster up, they had probably had a poster in their room of Moses. And if they had another poster, it was probably David. Like those are the two rock stars of the Hebrew faith. And Paul is indicating that both of these were just foreshadowing, they were pointing Hmm. to, they were anticipating the greatest of those that jesus is a better moses as you were reading about in hebrews right yeah he is a better david there there's no one that is going to conquer and subdue the enemies of god better than jesus and so there's this culmination that comes and, and he's trying to contextualize it for these people anything else you see there that probably needs some explaining
1: um No, not, not explaining, but I do think it's just really interesting that from verse 16 all the way down to uh, 22, he's saying all these things that these people would have been listening to and nodding their heads like as he's speaking. Yeah. And then in 23, he just kind of starts slipping in, and of this man's offspring, God has brought to Israel a savior, Jesus, as he promised. And he just keeps going. And you can just imagine people like, wait, whoa, what? <laughs> wait, what? Wait.
0: Oh. wait, what'd you say?
1: <laughs> Did I catch that?
0: <laughs> I, I thought I just heard you say somebody else's name. Who was that? You just threw something in there. Yeah, that's
1: right. Yeah, that's and a so good catch. Yeah, um, it's it's just an interesting. It, it's it's interesting that he he starts where where he knows they would be at, where in something they understand, mm-hmm. and is able to work them to Jesus in a faithful way. Mm. Um, because this wasn't like some preset speech that he had typed up on his phone of just like in case anybody ever asked me to get up and speak, this is what I'll say. It's right. He just knew it and he and he could trace that line. And he starts where they somewhere they would recognize, starts somewhere they would agree with, starts somewhere that is that he would agree with, that's truthful. Um and he and he he helps walk them to Jesus from where they where they know. So yeah. It's an interesting method.
0: That's um and it anticipates like we'll see Paul um do this thing that's called contextualization mm. where you yep. are not changing the gospel uh, to you know to suit people's needs but you're changing your approach to lead someone to appreciate or understand or hear the gospel in a context in which they're comfortable and so you see this here they're in the synagogue and and what does Paul do he goes to the Law and the Prophets. He goes to a very familiar story. He talks about characters that they would have highly exalted, and then segues to Jesus being the fulfillment of everything that they were hoping would come through Moses and David has now come in Jesus. Yeah. And then you like fast forward, and we're not going to talk about it today, but in Acts 17, he's in Athens. Yeah. He's and it says that he spent some time in the the synagogue, but he also goes to the and, and this is a place kind of like a college town where people just sit around and talk about new cool ideas all day long. And so he, <laughs> he transitions to that spot, but he doesn't start quoting the Old Testament. He doesn't talk about Moses and David. He yeah. quotes their own prophets and their own philosophers. And so he's he's contextualizing you know, in a way that will make sense to those that he's with. Yeah. But in each case, it always segues to the reality of who Jesus is and how he is the fulfillment of what people desire in these other avenues. Yeah. And so I guess that's the, I want to pick your brain about that. How is it that we can, <laughs> we have kind of a general American context? Mm-hmm. What would be the, the, the um, kind of modern day version of what Paul was doing? Where where would the synagogue be? Um, where would the Oropagus be? Does this look different for Texas than Montana?
1: <laughs> probably. Right. It um, probably does. Yeah. yeah. Like so. Yeah.
0: Where are the places that we ought to go and sit and speak from that context and lead them to Christ?
1: Yeah. I would, I would almost keep it broad and just say in your own community, wherever you have yeah. the ability to go. Right. Cause I also don't want to have people think like, oh, I just need to walk into my local coffee shop and just stand at the front door and then just start. Hey, everybody who's willing to listen to me, let me tell you this. There's some mm-hmm. it tends to be, cause even in Acts, I mean, I don't want to spend a lot of time on Acts 17, but there's a sense of Paul's just kind of walking around, observing things. And then somebody starts to ask him questions and it's through answering the questions that he then goes into the Areopagus to, because they're like, hey, you need to come to all these other people. Um, and so I think there is a sense of just as you're in your community, you're you're having conversations with peop- people, mm-hmm. and you're 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 listening before you speak. And so there's not this sense of like, okay, you're you're a lost person, you're now my new project. I need to make sure you understand these these five facts about the gospel, and then then I'm going to ask you, do you believe? It's a, let me hear where you're coming from. Let me understand what you're experiencing and let let me help get you to Jesus from that. Um, You can, you can do that with the, the, the guy who was helping load groceries into your car earlier this week. Mm -hmm. You could, you could do that with the bank teller as you're doing your, your stuff at the bank, your, whoever, your, your barber, you know, you're just having these conversations, but there's a sense of like, I'm going to listen and, and hear your experience And then I'm going to speak into it and help you get to Jesus from what you're experiencing. Um, I think that helps us to think through, okay, I don't need a set, um, uh, I need, I don't need to have a set specific words that I say to know that I've shared the gospel with somebody. You sharing the gospel with somebody is you pointing people to Jesus, showing that he's the only way of salvation and calling them to repent and believe. But that the starting place of that is different for every person you encounter, Mm. um, you know, somebody who's going through the worst week of their life. I'm not going to start off with the judgment of God, but that's a very right. key piece to the to the gospel. I'm I'm going to talk about the brokenness, and yeah, this world is broken, and it's and it's horrible, and we experience all these things like grief and shame and pain and hurt and sorrow. Um, and I'm trying to work. Do that you think into there are some
0: sense, kind so. of universal kind of yearnings that? Can they can all kind of boil down to that? No matter your context, oh, humans yeah. are humans, and so there mm-hmm. are going to be fundamental things that they're either trying to pursue in order to answer those questions in their own life and in their own mind. Uh, like I was thinking, we were just uh, kind of doing a study in Genesis and looking at the what happens in the garden. And the conditions in the garden, you have Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden in in Genesis 1 and 2 have complete clarity on their identity. They're made in the image and likeness of God. They have complete understanding of their purpose, right? He tells them, be fruitful, multiply, rule, subdue. In Genesis 2, he, he says, he placed them in a garden to keep it and to work it. So there's this sense in which they're to cultivate flourishing and they're to be fruitful and multiply, both in the when they uh, you know engage with the land and and the uh, animals around them. They're to help that be fruitful, and multiply, and then they themselves are to make more image bearers of God, be fruitful mm. themselves. And then there's they're perfectly provided for. They're in a garden that is self perpetuating, and so they have want of nothing. And they're in the presence of God. It's, there's this indication that God would regularly walk with them in the garden, and so they are perfectly safe. They have absolute protection. So identity, purpose, uh, provision, mm-hmm. and protection. And yeah. then when you when Genesis three happens, all of that is lost. There's confusion yeah. about who they are. Yeah. There's. Um. They're now trying to figure out what their purpose is. Uh. Mm-hmm. That's. That becomes difficult because of the curse. Both Adam is going to struggle to bring fruit, food from the land. Eve's going to have pain, increased pain and childbearing. So this idea of being fruitful and multiplying is now deeply affected by sin, and it becomes difficult. Uh, they're going to now be expelled from the garden, so they don't have that provision that they once mm. had. And now there's fear. Cain is worried. There's, there's now danger because... God is not walking with them in the same way he was in the garden, and now mm. there's death. Death now exists, and so there's fear of death, yeah. and there's now insecurity where there was once security. And so I yeah. think, as you and I talk about, I, I wonder if in every situation you're in, some people are spending their energies trying to figure out identity, provision, protection, or purpose.
1: Mm-hmm. I think it, it yeah, I think boils are, down
0: to one of those four.
1: Yeah, I think those are great c- categories to be thinking through uh, as generalized categories for where people are coming from uh, when you're engaging with them with the gospel. I yeah. think those are actually really helpful Man. categories.
0: And you can probably just ask, you know, quietly, you know, with the, the Spirit, have a conversation and say, Help me understand, Lord, mm-hmm. where is their deepest struggle? And how does the gospel and the truth of Christ help meet them where they're at in that area of greatest struggle and doubt or question or confusion? Yeah. 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 Man, good stuff. Good stuff. That's great. Yeah.
1: Um, And and I mean, if you're ever in somewhere where they're reading the Bible and they say, hey, you got a word to encourage us with, by all (laughs) means do this. (laughs) Like, like, praise God for those opportunities. Which college well, students like, actually probably have opportunities like that if you're in a religious yes. studies class or a philosophy class yes. um, so if, if you're a college student listening to this and you ever have the professor say like what do you believe that is you that that's this situation is you. you got a word of encouragement yeah. for us That's a, absolutely that's your opportunity so
0: which even more so to the point that we started with you have to be in the Bible. you have to be reading yeah. the word. Ready exactly in season right and out of season, so that you're, yeah, you're like, okay, what was I reading this morning? Um, I have a funny story from my college days. We, me and some buddies went to this coffee shop and there was an open mic night. And mm. similar to your articulation of a commitment to memorize scripture, uh, m- my roommate had been memorizing the book of James. And so mm. he, he just signs up on this open mic night and. He puts down that he's got like poetry or um uh, like uh A spoken, spoken words word or something. Yeah, something like that. And so he gets up and he recites James chapter three, which is the taming of the tongue. Yeah. But he doesn't say, This is from James chapter three. He just gets up and he's and he says, My brothers, and then he continues. Yeah. And he just he just speaks it and then and he's kind of nervous he's got his hands in his hoodie pocket and he's kind of his voice cracks and so immediately the whole <laughs> you know coffee shop is endeared to him and they want him to succeed and they're cheering him on and and afterwards some people came up and said that was profound man that was so mm. deep mm. and he's like well let let me tell you about that this is where it comes yeah. from and yeah. it was this really cool moment where they had no idea that they had just encountered the wisdom from the God of the universe. Yeah. And it was super, super cool. So, yeah, like that you said, really be cool. ready. Be ready. That's right, with yeah. The Word yeah. stored in your heart. Yeah. And, and that's something
1: way. that I think is really encouraging about what Paul does here is, yeah, I mean, yes, he was an expert in the scriptures, but I don't want us to see that as like an excuse of like, well, I could never do what Paul does. There's just this sense of he devoted time to knowing what God's word had said and he was able to see these puzzle pieces connecting to Jesus. Um, yeah. and so what Paul does is not unattainable to us. It's just mm-hmm. him regularly reading the old testament and seeing what God had promised and how it's fulfilled in Jesus. And so as and an encouragement to us, study your old testament. Yeah, and, he's, yeah, not quoting, and he's, yeah. Not,
0: he's not quoting it. He's he just knows the story so well. He's just telling the story of God. And God's yeah. people, and then he inserts the truth of Christ. He quotes it a few times, but it's not until yeah. the end, like he quotes it right. three times from the Psalms, uh, and then he, the prophets, and so he's he has a couple of quotes, but the rest of the time he's just quoting this. He's just telling the story, which is awesome.
1: Yeah. And I actually think he quotes those passages because I think those would just have been well-known passages to this context and this group to the, your point of contextualization. To where, yeah, they would have known these passages, and so as he's quoting them, he's he's helping them draw the connections, um, yeah. Because he doesn't give a full exposition on those passages either. He's just like, and this is what this passage meant when it when it was said,
0: um, yeah. So, so good. Well, yeah. uh, good good stuff. Good takeaway. So I'm walking away knowing, okay, time in the word matters. Mm. and being ready when called upon to to give an account right give a reason for the hope that's in you give an encouraging word if if anyone's ever wondering hey do you have any encouragement for me Mm. the best thing i could ever do or give to somebody would be the word of god yeah and that's the best of encouragement that i can give them so
1: yeah amen
0: good stuff well pastor marshall Thanks for carving out a little bit of time in your day to take and read God's Word. And, uh, yeah, thanks for, for letting us pick your brain today.
1: Yeah, no, thanks for thanks for having me. Thanks for texting and seeing if I was able to do it. I, I, this is great. Yeah. I love it.
0: For those who are tuning in, if there's anything that we said here that provokes questions or curiosity, you can always email me at takeandreadpodcast at gmail.com, and I can forward any questions you have for Marshall onto him. Uh, he would be happy to follow up if there's anything that he said or would you would like clarity on. I uh, would encourage people out there if, you know, the, the comment section, uh, if you're tuning in in a place that has comments, that's a great place for people to dialogue about this text or maybe your own practices when it comes to memorizing Scripture or maybe your own reading plans. But uh, today we talked about and saw the importance of knowing God's Word, and you do that by reading and memorizing it. And we just want to encourage everybody out there to, there's no better time than today to start and I think sometimes people get into a frustration with, you know, I set out, I was gonna have this goal of memorizing something and I, and I fell off the wagon and I just haven't been doing it. Who cares, just start over, get back yeah. on it. Today's the day where you can start mm-hmm. after it again. Um, you know, it's just spending that time meditating on God's word enough to where it is internalized will always be a benefit, will always bear fruit. And just even as Marshall said at the beginning, the idea that the people that we as pastors, when we meet with people and we ask them about time in the word, those that are struggling the most typically spend less time in the word. That's right. And that, that's, that may be anecdotal, but that is also very experiential for pastors And I just want to encourage people out there that uh, spending time in God's Word, being shaped by His thoughts and His ways will cause you to bear fruit in your life, will cause you to experience peace and shalom, which is this bigger concept of, of wholeness, of completeness, and it all comes from God's Word, which He has provided us so encourage everyone out there, if uh, if you don't have a Bible, man, you can Google and you can find online editions of the Bible. There are thousands upon thousands of translations. You can go to esv.org and find it uh, online. You can have it read out loud to you from the app if you wanted to. So go get a copy of God's Word and and begin reading it for yourself because you will find in it there is life, life in abundance when walking with Christ. Marshall, thanks again for being with us and want to encourage everyone out there to go take and read the word of God. Blessings.